Okay, so let's uh, let's jump in. So I want you to kind of give us a little bit of a background. Like, tell us about your family, which we know you have six kids. Yeah, yeah. But tell us, like, where you're from and, like, how did you end up in Provo, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, so I grew up in on the central coast of California. It's kind of funny to say that, but, like, it literally, the city I'm from is called Lompoc. And um, it's close to an Air Force base. Okay. And occasionally they do send out test rockets out into the, it's so close to the ocean. And they and so my grandpa was in the Air Force, so he works there. My aunt, my aunts, my uncles. I even did, I worked there at the Air Force base for a summer. And so a little, so we all did. So there's a city that's right next to it called Lompoc. And um, so that's where I grew up. And it was it's one of those things where you don't realize how good you have it, but every day, because it's so close to the ocean, the wind would kick in, Mm -hmm. and it would get kind of windy every day around noon, and, like, that would be annoying. (laughs) And I look, think back on that, I'm like, gosh, man, we had it it so good. (laughs) Ocean breeze, that's so annoying. (laughs) And then, um, it's so my grandma, my grandma lived there for almost, for, for my whole life, my grandma lived there in that city on x street was what it's called oh that's cool and she lives so so their other so lompoc's claimed fame is that they're the flower seed capital of the world at least they were once upon a time and so they would have a flower festival and it was really really fun my mom made me run for flower festival queen and i only got second runner up which she's still very disappointed <laughs> in this, so. but anyway she definitely thinks i should win and what's interesting, so I grew up a member of the Mormon church. And so growing up in California, there weren't very many members. Okay. But ironically, another girl who was in our, who was in my stake, she ran and she won. Oh. And she was a Mormon. <laughs> and funny. so here are the two of us. Anyway, so it was, it was fine. That's but funny. Anyway, yeah, so that was kind of the, my mom, I can't really talk about myself without describing my mom because she's the one that raised me and made me kind of like how, how I am, but she was a hippie and she just had all these dreams and, and she tried and she tried and tried to make them come true. She worked so hard at it. And then she met my dad and then they got married and then she had me and then she had my brother right after me. And she would always say that we are the reason that she's just so grateful she had us because we helped her to settle down. And she would always say that. And then I got older and I kind of realized, I think she was trying to convince herself of that. <laughs> that it was a good thing. Or, because apparently I was a really hard baby. I cried all the time. But, you know, I mean, it was the 60s. Yeah. And she was giving me formula. Yeah. And I don't, I think it hurt my stomach. And mm. she would always have these crazy, like I say, she was a hippie. So she'd always say, oh, you were uncomfortable in your new body. And like, <laughs> or... <laughs> my stomach hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those two things. Yeah. And so like, that's how, that's how I was raised. And like, <laughs> even just recently, I mentioned to my, to my aunt, who's just a year older than my mom. I noticed I was looking at some family history and I noticed that one of our, one of my great, great, great grandmas, she, she was born the same year as my mom and her sister was born the same year as my aunt. So I mentioned that to them. And so then, of course, my aunt's response is, <laughs> maybe that's us. We've come back in this life to make up for the things we didn't do before or to make up for it. And I'm just like, yes. <laughs> sure. So I'm just saying. So, like, I say that I was raised by hippies. 
I was. Yeah. But then my mom became a member of the church or she rejoined. She came back in. And mm -hmm. so that's, that was my life was cool. being raised by a hippie turned Mormon. So anyway, that's so cool. but my mom was a teacher. She always was teaching something. And so I kind of grew up with that. And then I always grew up with the story of my five times great grandma. And I just always knew I wanted to be a teacher. So I love that. So, um, do you feel like your mom shaped the type of mom you wanted to become? Like, yeah. did you look to, up to her in that way? Yes. She always seemed to enjoy being a mom. She put off that. She acted like that. I think that was just like the vibe she gave off. Like yeah. she enjoyed her role that she liked it and that she like loved us and everything. So I think, yes, from that, I always knew and being raised the way I was in the church too. I, I don't know. I just always knew I was going to be a mom and I always wanted to be a mom. And I was the oldest of five kids. And I just, I was always the one babysitting or the one, um, just like looking after my brothers and sisters. And I would always be the one starting little schools in our neighborhood, <laughs> little, little neighborhood schools. So I just kind of, That's I awesome. think I just always have that thing. I just really liked, um, and I, I had a traumatic experience when I was four. And I think that's in some ways stunted my emotional growth in some ways. And so I always felt more comfortable around four year olds. And I didn't realize that until a few years ago when I started going to therapy that, <laughs> that that was it. There was a part of me that like, these are my people. I am four. You're like, oh, <laughs> this is all making and sense. And then when I started going to therapy, I started going, okay, I, I still really love being around you guys, but it's different. It's not like we're the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So. It, you have more of an, good. yeah. Plug for therapy. Cause that's helpful for all yeah. of us. <laughs> um, I feel like, I feel like in the world right now, it's looked down upon almost to be like that be your aspiration to become a mom. And so oh, I love yeah. that you said that because that was the same with me. Like I, I knew I wanted to be a mom. I didn't, I didn't know exactly what else I'd do. I, you know, I was like, I want to do other things too, but I don't, but I know for sure I want to be a mom. Um, so you have been a single mom basically for your almost, whole life for a very long time. So this last time, so it was 10 years. It was about 10 years ago that we separated. And so David was really little. Jojo was just a year old and the girls were teenagers. Roxy was nine. And it was really hard. It was really devastating for everybody. And it was, it was hard for a lot of reasons, but, um, uh, <laughs> it was, it, a lot of things were coming at us at once. Yeah. And I, for a while we were, uh, so I was teaching out of our home. That's where I had started my preschool. Mm -hmm. And so it was scary for that reason, because I didn't know what, if I was, how to keep, go, keep that going. And, um, so anyway, we, it, it was, there was a lot of really digging in and working really hard to try to, to try to, to make it. We were homeless for a while. I didn't have a oh car and, um, it was really tough. Yeah. It was really, really tough. So what was a lesson that you learned in those first few years that you've been able to apply in your life and just kind of realize was something that you needed to do, um, in order to survive and thrive as a mom and like, especially relating to being a single mom. Um, a lot of things I finally, and I had mentioned this before, but was, I finally learned how to ask for help. And that was, that was a major 
hurdle for me and stepping stone. And I, um, that was really hard for me to do. And that, the, that particular place where we ended up, it wasn't as welcoming as I thought it was going to be because I had a tribe of women and that were my, my preschool moms. Like they became my friends and they loved me and I loved them. And then now I was kind of out of that and into this new situation and expecting to find that again. And, mm -hmm. um, it was, and it was, it was really hard. I, I had to like really try to like, it was just a weird situation to be in. Like I felt like I was having to start all over again and prove myself. And where I always, I had felt already like I had gotten to that point where people trusted me, knew who I was. And, um, and it was just hard. It was hard yeah. because, um, people, you know, I would like, they would make comments like, Oh, for example, this one gal, she, they rented their house to a single woman and she complained in front of me that she was always asking for help to, to get the, well, not always, but she said, why are, why are the single moms always asking for help? And I, and of course that just made me feel even worse and made me feel even more alienated. Yeah. And, um, so I guess for me, my message is more that I, I had a couple of people and they know who they are that were angels and they stepped in and they helped us like, and they completely saved us. And there was like three people and they all ironically were people who children I had taught, but this one family in particular, they didn't have a lot of money and they had a business, but they were struggling. They were builders. And, um, when they found out that I didn't have a car and that I wasn't going to be able to keep the car that I'd been using, um, they pulled what they had together and they got me, they got me a car wow. and, um, and they didn't, and they looked at each other the day before and they said, can we do this? And they're like, well, and, and so, and they just back and forth, they're like, try to reassure, they're just like, Miss Wendy, it's for Miss Wendy. She needs it. Wow, that's cool. And the next day they had an investor come to, to their home office and found out what they were doing, like the, with all the places they were working to build. And he, um, he invested uh, $2 million oh my gosh. the day after they got that van for me. And it just like, and it just kept going and going and going. They went from being what, one of the lowest builders in Utah to being the, the top builder oh, awesome. from then on. So it was just one of those things where it was like, because of their faith and just doing what was right. And that for me was what meant so much to me was that they, they, <laughs> obviously it meant a lot, but that they knew and they were doing what was right. And uh, because they knew. Yeah. Me. Well, I think so. that just goes to show like you clearly had an impact on them and helped them want to help you. You know what I mean? Which I think is cool. Yeah. And well, that's the blessing of being a teacher because you become part yeah. of their children's lives. So I, that's you know, true. you become part of their kids narrative. Yeah. yeah. Um, you also talked a little bit about drawing strength from your kids and that you feel like mm -hmm. that was a really big thing for you. It's the only thing I did. Everything I did was for them. Everything and everything I do now even. Well, and I mean, I can see it in, even just within your Instagram posts, like I can tell how proud you are of their accomplishments and you're proud of them for yeah. following like their hearts. And just, I mean, I think it's cool that you can see that your girls are like literally your best friends. Like, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And I hope that I have I that mean, with my daughters too. You will. You will. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, okay, so what would your advice be to other single moms who are going through these hard things that come with being a single parent that are unique to being a single parent? Because parenthood is hard no matter yeah. who you are and what stage you're in, but there are unique things that that you experience as a single parent mm-hmm. that I think those who are not can't understand yeah. and will never understand. Well, it's very lonely and the and the feeling alone is the worst feeling ever. So anything that you can do to not feel alone, <laughs> that sounds funny because it feels like that's an mm-hmm. automatic thing. But I even just recently, um, when I was looking up, like, so my son, he kept taking everything off, all his clothes every night, right? And it sounds like, but this is just one example of like, every night so he would go to bed fully closed wake up in the morning completely (laughs) everything off right so that everything is wet Mm -hmm. gross right so i'm washing his sheets every night and i'm just like losing my mind like i don't know what i'm gonna do try everything so one night i get on i google pajamas toddlers can't take off (laughs) and i found this place and they start describing what they went through to get to the point to make these pajamas And then there's all these testimonials and I start crying because I'm like, nobody, I thought I was alone. And so it's just one small thing, but, and then that changed everything for me. I'm not alone. Of course I ordered the pajamas and it's changed my life. And so anything you can do to not feel alone in like a good way and find like when, when your kids are gone and it sucks because it does suck because you're so used to being with them all the time. Try to do something for yourself. And whether that be going out with a friend, going to lunch, just doing Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. for yourself, taking a nap. (laughs) Like, and and it's so hard because you're so used to feeling guilty for that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. at least me. Just remember that like, okay, maybe God has given this to me for a reason, even though it's just the worst and I freaking hate it. But you just try to make the most of it. And honestly, it was in those times that I was, when I first, when we first separated, it was in those times of like total despair that I would be like, well, I guess I'm going to dig in and try to make my business the best that it can be. And so I would, I would really dig in. And it was honestly during the time when my kids were with their dad that I wrote the proposal to my investors for my preschool building because they weren't there and I was able to like focus long enough on something to, to write it out, you know, and that's what, that's why they did it. It's because of that. And so I would just say, just do those things because for me, I never wanted to be away from my kids. I'm the kind of person like they're my favorite people to be around. I always Mm -hmm. want to be with them and only a parent can understand that it's, you know, the kind of personality that only your parent can love. And so mm-hmm. for me, it was really hard. I was never that, I'm never, and I, there's nothing wrong with it, but I was never that kind of person like, oh, hey, I want to go get away from my kids or go, you know, it, it's just, yeah. I always wanted to be with them because I think that they were always around me before they were born. I just feel like we were always so in touch with each other. But I've started to get to a point now where we're almost 10 years into it. It'll be 10 years in August, but I'm starting to get to a point where I'm kind of like seeing the benefits of it. You yeah. Know? So you're like finding the positives. Of yes. It almost. Yes. Trying seeing to the bright side of things. Mm-hmm. And 
I think it's important to highlight that like, yeah, it's been 10 years and you're just barely getting to that point. Yeah. And so I feel like to all those other parents who might be going through that right now to like be patient with yourself because Mm -hmm. it takes time to heal and it takes time to figure those things out. Especially my boys that have special needs. Like I just worry about them so much when they're away from me. That's just the worry. And I started having panic attacks for the first time in my life when, when we first separated and I had to like make them them. go and, and yeah, I couldn't sleep and Mm -hmm. it's gotten better, but it's still, it's still really tough. So I can't even imagine. I, but yeah, I'm so sorry that you've had to go through that. Yeah, me too. Thank you. (laughs) Um, well, speaking of your sons who have disabilities, let's talk about that for a minute because another incredible journey that you've been on is that of having children who have disabilities. So Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about what that was like, kind of just like finding that out and then how you were able to work through that with your emotions and with their emotions and all that stuff? Yeah. So when my oldest was about 18 months old, um, we went to the doctor because he wasn't talking. And the doctor said to me, he's a boy. When he has something to say, he'll say it. And he was my first son. <laughs> and so and I, remember, I looked over at his dad and I'm like, well, that's kind of what you're like. So I was like, okay, maybe he's right, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then for whatever reason, we ended up switching to a different pediatrician about six, six months later. And immediately he mentioned autism. And we were both just like, so defensive it's funny to look back on it i was like and his dad of course was he was really upset i can't believe he thinks that you know blah blah blah. and at the time he was two and so then um we just didn't really we didn't really do much better like well when he's ready to talk he'll he'll talk you know Mm -hmm. and even with the doctors anyway so then um he did start going to uh preschool and when we separated, he started at kind of at the same time going to a special preschool. And um, that's when they said he needs to have a diagnosis one way or the other. And so that's when I finally got him diagnosed and with autism. So he had with autism spectrum disorder. And so how old was he when that happened? Four. Yeah, okay. he was four. Okay. And then, and so poor kid, of course, he's the oldest, he's yep. my oldest boy. So it's always harder for the oldest, right? Cause, cause then Jojo comes along and he's like doing the same thing, slow to talk. And, and he has some different things that he does, but, um, and so I knew immediately that he was, and there was no, none of that back and forth. We got him tested right away. <laughs> and you're so, like, uh, been here before. <laughs> yeah. Poor, poor David. Oh my gosh. But then the hard part was when we did start in school and um, in kindergarten, he definitely needed to be in a contained classroom. I also feel like a lot of kindergartners, that's pretty typical, age typical, where they need to have that smaller classroom anyway. Mm -hmm. And that was the year he took off talking. He totally started talking. And when it's time for him to go into first grade, this school, um, they just started, no, they're like, no, he needs to stay in this contained classroom. And I just trusted them because um, they're the, you know, they're the experts, experts but yeah. I, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and I was having a hard time with it because I don't think he belonged in there. I maybe to get pulled out maybe for a couple of things, but, um, that was, that was really, and so it was that year and the next year 
And he was about to start his third grade year. And I woke up one day and the spirit told me, you've got to get him into a regular classroom. Like it is time. And so from then on, I was like, I'm not taking no for an answer. He will be in a general ed classroom. And it was a total battle. And finally, and the, the principal, it was interesting that year he had, and you might remember it. He had this thing about going down in the ditch, like staying out of the, it was um, Guzman. Oh, yes. Yes, I remember. And so, and so one day I was at preschool and he was with me, my son, and he started doing this lesson for the preschoolers, drawing this picture. And so I took a picture of it because it was so good. He's so good at art. He's so good at drawing. And he humors me. Oh, mom, that's a really good drawing. <laughs> and he's so, so sweet. sweet. <laughs> oh, that's he's really so nice. sweet about it. But anyway, I happened to show that to the principal. I go, did you do a presentation on this? Because he said something about it. He goes, um, can I actually use that? Can I take that to like my, he was in principal, like, I think he was getting his doctorate or something. Oh and yeah. I think I remember I, that. Yeah. He goes, can I show that? I go, sure. I go, if you will listen <laughs> on one to condition on this, I go, they are fighting me on this. And I, and finally one day I realized, and I said this to him, I'm his mom. I get to say now a lot of people already a lot of people are like that already they already know they don't take no for an answer but I needed to have that moment I said no he needs to be in this classroom something that I've started to learn that I didn't totally know until I became a mom was advocacy is it like you are you're gonna be and even for myself like there's been times when I've been in you know like medical situations when I've had to be like no 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 I'm going to be advocating for myself like you need to listen Mm -hmm. to me I understand you're the professional or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I know know myself better, or I know my child better than you do. Like, and I think that's huge. And I think that, that like we are our child's children's biggest advocates. I know. And it's, it's scary. It's a huge responsibility. I feel like that's the biggest responsibility of being a parent is having to speak to your kids sometimes. And it's hard. Those poor oldest ones, like you were saying is like, they're the guinea pigs. We're just still figuring, figuring it out. I feel, I I mean, it's, I know I was the oldest too. And so Same. I felt like my mom did a really good job. Oh, really? Yeah, I was also the oldest. And it is um, what it is though. It's like, it's like, it's hard to not feel that mom no. guilt because you're like, oh, like I wish I would have known better, but it's like, we're all learning. And that's where that, like, we have to give ourselves grace, right? Yeah. Like we're just doing, again, I, I'm always going to come back to this. We're all just doing the best that we I can know. with what we, with what we know and what we have. So yeah. Um, so what was it like with his classmates then? Like, yeah, yeah. so they would, they would, uh, it's really hard to talk about, but they would say things like, why are you in here? You don't belong in here. You need to go back to your classroom. It was, it was really bad. And the bullying at that school already is, is tough. But so just things like that. And then, you know, God did this thing called COVID that it, it hurt so many people, but it got him out of that school and I, you know, and I, I'm so grateful for that. And now he goes to this yeah. wonderful charter school called Walden and it's a Montessori school oh, cool. and it's great. Oh, that's awesome. And you know, it's funny. Sometimes I don't think he realized we call it a hippie school. I don't think he realizes just how, <laughs> how good he's got it, but. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm glad that you him. found a good school yeah. for him. So I homeschooled them. We did COVID, of course, just like everyone, but then we continued. Yeah, I remember that. I remember seeing you posting yeah. about homeschooling a little yeah. bit. Yeah, 
So that's cool. How was that for you? How was oh, of course I love it. I'm obsessed. I would do that if I could that's forever. Awesome. Forever. That's awesome. Um, so bullying. I just. Mm. I'm so scared. So Brooklyn is in preschool right now. So I have like a lot of control over. She just goes to like um, a preschool that's pretty close to our house. So I have a lot of control over that, the situation, right? Like I can text her teacher and all the things. And I'm scared, Wendy. I'm scared to put her in kindergarten because I know what the public schools are like. And it's so scary. So, so I just, I want to send her to school in bubble wrap. That's what I want to do. And I know that we can't do that. And like, there are things that they need to learn from like being in school, but like, wh- what do you do about that? Like, is it like, how do we help with that as parents? You know, I know. Yeah. Well, besides just teaching your own child to be kind because that's, well, or teaching them like also to, to advocate for themselves. Like I never really was taught that. And so I think like what you're saying, like how you're communicating with the teacher, you continue to do that, but with Brooklyn. You continue, okay, so tell me about this. Tell me how that went. And um, and does she talk a lot already? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's so a chatterbox. She'll tell you everything. And so that's the thing. Like, I never hid anything from my mom. And so and sometimes you just have to say, like, if somebody does something mean, it just sucks. Like, it's the worst thing ever. But you just have, you just, I'm so sorry. I know some people are just so sad. And they just want to make other people sad. Yeah. And that's all, and that's all you can say, or you can just homeschool. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's been on my mind and I was always like, I could never homeschool, but it's one of those things that I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, Oh gosh, do we just like keep her home forever? I don't ever want to send it's her in like the world. The socialization thing is good. Like, cause I also homeschooled my girls for a few years too. And of course I loved it. I loved it. I would just do it forever. And then, um, and then, you know, it's just like, then you kind of have that moment where it's like, well, I guess they should go kind of yeah. try to figure all that out again. And it's, it's just hard. Yeah. And especially with girls. Yeah. Oh, cause it's a whole different you know, level. Had, it's like a whole nother world had, of bullying because there's a lot of, uh, manipulation that comes on, into it. Then go on forever. Yeah. They just go on forever. So, oh, gosh. Are, so how did you, how did you help David? And any of your kids, if they were bullied, how did you help them process like what was going on and like he, understand? He talk about it. I, I would just every day. I would just do my best. I would try to be there. I became the PTA president that year because I was trying to. I wanted to be at the school more, mm-hmm. and um, it's it was hard with him because he wouldn't really talk about it. Yeah, I would find out these things like from other people, and so all you can do is just tell them how much you love them. And that, you know, that it's going to be okay. And I just try when we're together to just like really be together. And um, I just love them. Just let them know how much I love them. So is that the reason that you became the PTA? Like, because you're like extremely involved in the community. Like, if if I'm remembering correctly, you're like on a first name basis with the Provo mayor. Is that right? (laughs) Well, like you guys like, are friends. Well, she came to the preschool and she read to the, yeah, she read to the preschoolers. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's great. I mean, first woman mayor. Yeah. Oh yeah. She, so brought, cool. she brought a target to Provo. She's about to bring another one. It's hard to not be a fan. Yeah, that's true. That's actually a good point. Um, so why be, so why choose to be so involved when you already have so much going on? Because of that. Cause I wanted to be part of my kids' lives as much as I could. I was trying to like make, as much of a change and try to help. 
I was also trying because so many people won't go to this elementary school won't go even though it's in mm -hmm. their neighborhood they go to a different one because so mm -hmm. I was like well this is our neighborhood school let's make it the best we can so since my kids went there I was so I had all these goals and everything that I wanted to do and I had just gotten them we had just bought the rights to Lion King like the school was going to do Lion King and cool. it was going to be incredible and we had so many talented kids there and so I was, my goal was to get people in our neighborhood to stop taking their kids out of that neighborhood into another neighborhood. But, um, I think that school still has a long ways to go. Lion King was not going to fix it. But then, <laughs> but then, um, then COVID happened and they didn't get to do it. So I'm not oh, sure what happened if they still did it or not. Cause the rights were really expensive. Oh, I bet. Speaking of being involved in the community, is that why you chose the building that you chose for your preschool? Yes. So it's interesting. So once I started, restarted the preschool in my new place after we separated and I had to get a new place and I had a friend who generously didn't even know exactly what was going on, but came over and gave me a check and told me I had to cash it. <laughs> and that's how I got that, my house. And I started the preschool again. I had friends because I really did not know what I was supposed to do. Like, am I supposed to keep doing this or not? So I, I realized in that moment, so once I got my new house, I was like, I have to make this work. I have to be able to continue to be home with my kids. And I have to make this work. So I just started using all my resources. I just started doing everything that I possibly could. I started learning how to use Instagram. So I started posting everything I was doing at the preschool and it just, I kind of gained a following and I had friends that, um, would, that would help me and, I got named like a person of Provo then that oh. next year and they came and made this video and she was helping me. She worked, she worked with somebody at Provo city and she was helping me just everybody was once they could see how hard I was, how, how hard I was working. And so by the third year I had so many kids and I couldn't take anymore. It was like, it was amazing. It was such, it was so amazing. That's awesome. And I was prompted by the spirit this one day that I needed to get my own place for the preschool and not have it in my house anymore. And so I started looking around and I drove past and banana leaf had been for sale forever. And it, just, and it was bright. Was it bright yellow and yeah, bright red like or green or something? Curry colored is how we yeah. call it. <laughs> And red trim and everything. And boy, they gave it their all. They really gave it their all. <laughs> they sure did. <laughs> so I gave them that. Oh, but it funny. was abandoned. Everything was left in their menus, art on the walls, wow. glasses on the tables. Wow. Still, everything was there. Every single thing. And wow. um, and the first time, and so I talked to the realtor. And I go, hey, I want to do a preschool in there. Oh, no, you don't want to do a preschool in there. You want to, this is a restaurant. So a few months went by and I called him again and he was like, oh, sure, I'll show it to you. Like he, he totally changed his tune. Like, oh, somebody actually wants to. And so when I finally went in there, I, I stood there in that first room and, and it was a restaurant with wood paneling on the walls and Jen Peacock feathers on the walls. And, and I looked and all of a sudden my eyes from the bottom, from the floor to the ceiling, everywhere I looked, like you it could was just like picture it all changing in front of my eyes, every single place. That's so cool. Showing me what it was going to be. And it happened in every single room. And it was like, it was so crazy. And I didn't even realize until 
afterwards and I got home and my daughter was like, mom, this is going to sound crazy. And I was like, well, no, just lay it on me. You know, she's like, I think that's the place. And I said, I think so too. Then now I just got to figure out how to do it. And asking for investments, it was the, the hardest thing I ever did. And Oh, I'm sure. And I couldn't have done it. My mom was living in Japan. She had her own school in Japan and she had sold it. And, and I knew, I knew it would take her being here to give me the guts to do it because she was trying to talk me out of it. And then she came and she saw it and she goes, we got to figure out how to do this. And so, well, you've done an incredible job. It's beautiful. No, you're so It's funny. like, so like you like walk past it and you're like, that is adorable. And I want all my kids to go there <laughs> because it's just so cute. And you're then you find so out nice. that it's a great school too. So, well, my, so my five times great grandma, she um, emigrated from Ireland and she, her, um, her dad was the constable to the queen of England. I mean, her life was set to be like, she was had a really good life and she immigrated to America. She became a Mormon, a member of the church and before she immigrated and, um, her life was hard, just trial after trial, but they came to Utah and there was no school in Salt Lake. And she said, we need a school. And she bartered for the tools and it was a white Adobe brick. And so when I got this, I wanted to do it for her and paint it white. Oh, that's and so cool. I've dedicated the school to her and because she is, she's, She's part of me. And that next I year, that. I actually inherited her school bell, the bell that she rang every day. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. A copper bell with an ivory handle. And I have it here. Yeah. Oh, that's and awesome. So that was, you know, that was it. It was such a huge, it was such a huge blessing. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just, you know, a lot, a lot of hard work, but just so yeah. grateful. Well, I think I just want to say really quickly, like I think within within motherhood, it's easy to let your own dreams kind of fall by the wayside because yeah. you're so focused on yes your kids and getting them where they need to go. And that's obviously important. But I think that um, my dream, right, like is my dreams are important too. like our dreams as moms and what we yeah. want is also important. Yeah. And those things can go yeah. together. Right. Like those aren't mutually exclusive of like, okay, well I can either be a mom and be a good mom or I can do what I want to do. And I think that there's this like beautiful point where those come together. Right. And I think that you've just been such a, a, you're a great example of that, of like, okay, this is something that I need to do for Mm -hmm. myself, but I know it's also going to benefit my kids, make me a better mom. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be better for it. And, um, not letting, your kids become something that get in the way, but kind of being like, okay, my kids are something that I can include them in this dream of mine. You know what I mean? And I think that you've shown that so beautifully in how your girls like have helped you and how Mm -hmm. you've been able to have your kids be their, your preschool. And like, I see those cute photos of Max and like, it's just, it's been so cool to see that, that you've intertwined those together. You know what I mean? Well, I feel really lucky. I do. I feel really lucky for that. And, you know, and I, I needed it to succeed so that I could continue to take care of my kids. And that's yeah. why I continue. Cause I started the preschool in the beginning when Roxy was a newborn and Susie was just little and she needed a preschool. And I was like, I could teach preschool. I can teach her. <laughs> and that's how it started. And it was always that I was able to, to work and be home with my kids. And that's all I wanted. So that's how it started. 
Well, and you went back to school, right? I got recently? my master's degree last year. Yeah. <laughs> Which congratulations. That's amazing Thank you. for Thank a single you. mom of six kids. That's incredible. Like yeah. good for you. That's it was, amazing. It was, it was, it was really hard, but what was, made you decide to do that? Um, I just had always wanted to, my, my mom had her master's degree and I just kind of always felt like, and I just had felt like it was the time and they changed, um, some of the timing of it and just at the right time, you know, and it's really interesting because I'd almost started it a year previous and I just kept getting woken up every night in the middle of the night. Like just no, like something is wrong. Something's wrong. So I find like, don't do this. I pulled out. And then when I pulled out, he goes, well, it's okay. He goes, I'm going to let you know we're changing it. And so next year, um, the, requ the requirements only take a year to do. <laughs> and I had classes like, yeah. with some people. Sign me up for that, please. I, I, so I waited. Yeah. So I waited a year and I was like, I had classes with some people who had, were in that cohort that I would have been. They got the same degree as me and they were there for two years. And it took them two years. Wow. That's crazy. So well, good for you. That. I'm to that so impressed. Yes. That little inner voice mm -hmm. that tells us yeah. that's so awesome. I'm so happy for you. Um, okay. So how old is, let's see, Susie's your oldest or Roxy's uh, your Summer's oldest? I can't oldest. She's 25. Oh, that's right. Summer's your yeah. oldest. That's right. And so, how, and she's 23, you said? 25. 25. Okay. So let's talk about your little three-year-old Max and how he came into your life yes. because that is a big age gap. It is a big age gap, 25 to three. Well, soon after I got divorced, I kept getting this feeling that I had another baby. And I, I kept actually seeing like little, I kept seeing hmm. like peeking around the corners and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to start dating and I'll, cause I was like, does this mean that? Cause like, I knew this <laughs> baby was there. I the knew the baby was there. He was following me around. I was like, okay, buddy, I'm going to try and make this happen. And then one day it was like, no, it's supposed to be through foster care. You're going to adopt. And I was like, oh, that's way easier. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> like I can do that. Right. I can do it. Like, oh, I don't have to involve another person. <laughs> <laughs> dating is like the, wor oh, the yeah. worst. And so I was like, yeah, I would way rather have these foster care people. So anyway, so it took me a while and honestly, I did all the classes first. So I would suggest to anyone, if you're thinking about doing that, do the classes first, get it done. It was so good and so inspirational. And I remember they, one day they, they went around the class and said, why are you here? Like, why do you want to do this? And I'm like, all these other people, you know, unfortunately couldn't have children. Some people couldn't have children or different, different reasons, but most of it did have to do with that. And then it came to me and I'm just like, I have freaking have five kids. I, and I was like, well, and then I was just honest. I was like, I felt compelled. And then she's like, okay. And then they, they kept going because so I was like, moving on. That was it. I, I, then I'm like, why do I feel like I have to justify this? Like I'm here, I'm doing the work. Yeah. I know I'm supposed to be here. And then the hardest part was actually getting, I mean, my house was freaking amazing, but they are so nitpicky down to like having things literally locked up, all your cleaners locked up, padlocked. Wow. See this right here. That's why I got this because it had a lock on it. Now it's my pantry oh, wow. thing, but it had all my cleaners in it locked up. 
it was so crazy. Like oh, wow. I couldn't leave my 409 out on the table, just things like that. And they, they came in and just, it took hours and hours and hours. And that was the thing that was the hardest part. But I just say, and so anyway, there was times I almost gave up and I would say, that's it. I can't, I can't do it. And then this friend of mine would call me every time she'd call, Hey, how's it going? I'm like, not good. I think I'm going to quit. I don't think I'm going <laughs> to just, Oh, well, and then she would just start talking to me. And then like after 10 minutes, I'm like, okay, I can keep going and keep doing it. And so I did it and it was such a huge accomplishment just getting licensed. And then two months later, this I, person I'd never talked to before, a caseworker called me and told me about this little baby that was a week old now in the hospital and told me all about him and all about her, his mom and their family and, and everything and it was a really sad, hard situation. And, um, and so anyway, so she talked and talked and she said, okay, well, what do you think? I was like, well, I'm, I'm all in. I'm like a hundred. And she goes, really? I'm like, uh, yeah, like 150%. Yeah. Don't have to ask me twice. Right? <laughs> and I knew it. I knew, I like knew that he was there. I knew he was, I knew he was mine. And, um, I got to go and, and spend an entire week and a half in the NICU with him. And it was so oh, wow, incredible. Cool. And it was just so interesting because I always wondered that, like how, cause I knew how bonded I was to my kids. I nursed them all. I felt like that was part of it, but, and I always wondered that how can you, can you really be that bonded to a child that you adopt? And you so can, mm -hmm. it's just, That's it's cool. just so it's the same as it is with them, but every child is different anyway. You have your different relationships, but that bond is just like, you know, I would, I would do anything to protect him. Just like I, you know, I love, oh, that's so cool. And so, How cool that you were able to have that experience. It was so like, incredible. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So did you know that you were going to adopt him? Like, well, they never, you might, you might've known, like you mm -hmm. might've known, but like, what was kind of what they told you? Did you know they were like, just hang on to him for a little they, bit? It, or... They never gave me any promises. And that's the, that's the hard part about foster care. I'll tell people you have to be so strong. I almost broke several times because they never give you any promises. Her family, the mom's family was fighting so hard to get her in a good place, good enough place to be able to have the baby back. And so, and the foster care people never gave me any hope or promises that that wouldn't happen. They'd say, I don't think she's mm -hmm. fit. Or I don't think their family's fit for this, but they would never give me hope. And, um, it wasn't until the day that I, that I adopted him, that the judge smiled at me for the first time and because she could, because up until then, and it was all, it was through COVID, of course, all through COVID, which was a blessing because we were doing these visits and she was mentally diminished. And so it was so, it was so hard. You're spending an hour with somebody that you can barely talk to or hold a baby. Like I was supposed to try to let her hold the baby. She couldn't or wouldn't. And he was really colicky. And anyway, it was just, and they, they all knew all her caseworkers knew that he was mine. And, um, but I tried to, I was, I, she was, she was his mom, right? She birthed him. And she did nothing wrong. Yeah. That was the other sad thing. None of none getting pregnant wasn't her choice. And none of it was her choice. So that was the sad, mm -hmm. that was the hard, really hard thing. So I tried so, as much as I could to involve her, but. So 
Is it an open adoption or is it a closed adoption or how does that work? It's closed, but, um, uh, well, it's, it's open as much as I want it to be. Okay. And I, I have contact with her brother just like for medical reasons, like, you know, like how I'm getting him tested yeah. for autism mm -hmm. on Friday. And you need I need his like medical history. I need, history, right? I need as much as I can. They don't, they're saying they don't know who the dad is, but they do, but they just won't say, cause he'll, he yeah. should be in prison. So, and like I was saying, when I first started noticing signs, like with my boys, I'm like, Oh, there's this pattern and with him. I was noticing signs, but they were not, I mean, he's still not talking, but there, the other things are so completely out in the field. And I yeah, was like way different than your experience before a huge loop. Yeah. But, but we're, but we're getting there, you know, and that's why God, that's why they give us babies. I feel like <laughs> because this is your child. Like you, he is yours and you will figure it out. Like, yeah. you know, it's like being a castaway on an island. You're going to figure this out. Sink or swim. You have to, you don't have a choice, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so. oh yeah. Okay. So let's ask a fun question. How's grandma life? Cause your oldest daughter has two babies, right? The best thing in the whole <laughs> world. They are, it's so hard. It's like the sweetest love that you can ever have. And of course they're just so Hank, you know, Hank is my first grandchild. And so of course he's always just going to have a special place in my heart. I was the first grandchild. Um, but it, it's so, it's so funny. There's this picture we were FaceTime. We, I was in California with my girls a few, about a month ago and there's this picture where we're FaceTiming <laughs> him and we're all, and so Susie had taken a screenshot. We're all just like, <gasps> like, like, you know, obsessed over just him. Fully so obsessed. We're just like, <laughs> you know, and that's like his life. And whenever he's around us, he's always like, ha ha. Hey, like if we happen to be talking to each other, people be like, uh, ah, like, Hey, you know, remember yeah. hi, you're supposed to be, but we are, we're all just, we can't help it. He's so sweet. He's and like he's the center so of your whole cool. universe. That's so funny. It's just, and it just happens. It just happens. And it's the most amazing thing. And it's like this thing where you, they love you unconditionally. You love them <coughs> unconditionally. And it's different than having a child because they don't blame you for anything. Yeah. <laughs> like nothing is your fault anymore. Yeah. Like, You're just somebody they, who loves them. I, yeah. It's just like, and that's just the sweetest thing. And like, I loved my grandma and it kind of upset my mom because she wasn't like a great mom, but I'm mm -hmm. like, she was a great grandma. She, I loved her like mm -hmm. so much. She loved me. I love her. And I'm so grateful for that relationship. I mean, I know she wasn't a great mom, but I mean, luckily I don't have to like have that feeling toward right. her. Like, she was yeah, just... because it is, it's fully a different relationship. Like Ugh. it's very easy to blame your parents for things because they were there every single day. It's they were so, making choices so... for you, all like much more involved in your life. Whereas your grandparents yeah. are very much just somebody who loves you a lot and who's yeah. there for you and who's in your court and they don't have yeah. to worry about any of the bats, like any yeah. of the negative connotations of. I still blame my mom for things. It's so, it's so sad, but it's cause they're there. Cause they were the yeah. ones who were digging in. Doing I know they're the ones who take the blame. That's part of being a parent is you have to take the blame for stuff sometimes. What, what's it like having Max be so close in age to them? Um, it's good. He, because those, because of his special needs, he doesn't 
necessarily like Hank loves him. It's really funny <laughs> because Hank is immediately just like, oh, because he's a little bit taller than him and he's the same size-ish and he loves him. But Max doesn't really like notice other kids yet. And so, I mean, I think it's great and I give him all of Max's hand-me-downs, but I mean, it's I so that. fun. And I hope that as they get, because they're only 18 months apart, he's an uncle, you know? That's so I mean, funny. even Jojo. Jojo's 11 and he's an uncle. I just love that. I was always jealous of girls who were aunts. Me too. You know, when I was Same. Growing. I remember kids like in fourth <laughs> grade. I was like, you have that. nieces and nephews? That's cool. Yeah. But I was always the oldest as well. So, well, my uh, my husband's youngest sister is let's see, fourteen, I think, fourteen. Uh-oh. And so it's uh-huh. like a similar thing where it's like Brooklyn's yeah. obsessed with her. It's just yes. like her idolizes her, right? Yeah. So it's so fun. I'm I'm sure it's... that that relationship will grow, and they'll. Oh. And does she live? Does Summer live near you? No, they just moved back to Montana. So he, her husband, works in oil. Okay. And um, it's a, such a good, it's such a good job. But oh gosh, that's awesome. So he works two on, two off, and so it's it was hard. So when he would have to go, he'd have to leave a day early just to get there from here, and and then to come back, it's another day. So they were only together for like ten days, and then he'd have to go back again. I know. So she, so then she moved back to Montana, and it's good. I mean, with everything, there's going to be good and bad, right? Yeah. And so. I, like sure. right now he's gone. So it's like, I wish I could teleport there and just like be there and help. Well, especially, uh, I, but, but I bet it's fun watching her grow watching into her become a mom has been the greatest experience of my life. That's she, cool. she is like, well, she's honestly, she's the best mom I've ever seen. She is That's awesome. so in tune. So Johnny on the spot. So just like, I'm just like, I just can't be more proud of her. She is seriously, she's just so incredible. And it's been hard. Both pregnancies were really hard. And, you know, Olive was in the NICU for a really long time. She was born two months early. And it was, you know, and it was, it was hard. It was scary, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure it's hard seeing your daughter go through hard things. I mean, it's hard. It's hard seeing your kids go through hard things. And you're like, oh, I wish I could take that from you. But. I bet she learned a lot from it, and I bet that made her that much better of a mom for it. Yeah, having teenagers that whole period, though, before it, the teenager thing is the worst thing ever. So, <laughs> like, so you're like, this is fun. I like this toddler, part. Give me toddlerhood all day long. I will take that. But oh, no, I love it. Yeah. So, but yeah, fun. watching become adults is incredible. It's the best thing. That's ever. so cool. I love it. Um, okay. So, well, before I let you go, I just want to ask you a, a couple of just like fun questions sure. about you. Sure. Um, just so we can get to know you a little better. Okay. I know you are an avid swig and so delicious. You I love that place. I am an avid caffeine drinker. <laughs> so and what's your favorite drink? It's just Diet Coke. Just plain Diet Coke. Just no Diet like Coke. syrups or Nothing. anything? No. I just need okay. it in a big cup that lasts me for like an hour. Okay. So I get like a big cup that lasts an hour. Okay. (laughs) I need So it's a 44. I just get a 44 Diet Coke and they know now they see me come up and they have it for me. And they're so sweet. I love that. That's really just all it is. It's just because it's, it's sugar-free caffeine. Yeah. No. It's true. I know. I've started to jump on the diet. I didn't used to like diet sodas like at all. (laughs) I used to be like, how can you drink that? It's disgusting. But I have switched and I'm like, I'm okay with that. I I like it better now. It's fresca. Yeah. Ooh, have you ever had Spindrift? 
No. It's another like sparkling water. My sister will disagree with me because her and her husband are huge Fresca people. Mm-hmm. But you'll have to try Spindrift. They carry it at Target. Okay. It's so good. It's like a sparkling water that has like real fruit in it. So instead of like artificial flavoring, it's like real mm-hmm. lemon. Anyway, so good. The raspberry lemon is my favorite. Okay. But all of them are very good. So try oh, it, is it sugar when you see free? it. It's sugar free. Okay. Yep. I mean, it has like natural, like the, like it has like 15 calories in it. Cause it's like the real fruit. Sure. So it's got like the fruit sugars in there, but it doesn't have any added sugar. Wow. It's like, it's my favorite. It's my, your... like, I like, I like it better than soda now. So okay. anyway, it's a uh-huh. fun, my fun thing. Okay. Um, and then what is your favorite way to unwind? That's going to sound so funny. I love to watch Shark Tank. <laughs> and so I've watched them all. I've like started rewatching them. I just think it's so fun. It's so inspiring. It's so exciting. Like, are they going to get a deal? Like, <laughs> it's like, it's <laughs> awesome. So at night, David and I will watch TV together. And, and so I'll usually watch it. So he's like, he loves like mountain men and swamp people. I won't watch oh, swamp people. Funny. I won't do it. But, <laughs> but mountain men, I'll watch that. It's actually a really good show. I've really gotten into it. But occasionally he'd be like, we can watch Shark Tank if you want. I'm like, oh, okay, just one episode. I know. Nice. Or one that's deal, sweet. maybe. Let's watch one deal, but that's funny. Yeah, I love that. And then taking baths, baths and shark tank. So <laughs> I totally agree. Taking baths for me, it's the same way. It's just like it's warm, it smells good. Like it's just it's a, you're it's a good alone. time. Yeah, you're by yourself. You're Nobody's touching you. Nobody's talking to you. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, I can just be myself. Well, I seriously appreciate you chatting with Thanks. me and telling me all about your life and just sharing your experiences. I love following you on social media. It's been so fun to see your cute little family. And uh, anyway, just keep doing what you're doing because you are very inspiring. And yeah, I just, I appreciate who you are and the things that you've overcome. So So you're, you're wonderful. And thank you for, for hanging out with me. Anyway, I hope you have a wonderful evening and a great week with your family. And I'm glad that you got to hang out with your family this past weekend that's really fun and i hope that you get to see them soon we'll chat soon okay see you you later thanks bye oh my goodness that was so fun thank you guys all for being here as well thank you for listening thank you to everybody who has listened to the last two episodes and who has shared on social media um for those of you who don't know you can follow me on instagram i'm at motheringthrough.pod for info on episodes and to stay up to date on different things. Um, I will be posting questions and polls on stories because I want everybody to weigh in on things occasionally. And so please follow there and share, please. And as always, don't forget that you are doing better than you think you are and that tomorrow is a new day. Have a great week and I will talk to you next time. Bye. Please consider subscribing and leaving a rating and review. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send questions, stories, or general podcast feedback to motheringthrough.pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hi, I'm Jacqueline, and this is Mothering Through, a podcast for women and moms who are just doing the best that they can. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. 
Um, this continues to just be so strange and so weird, but it's still a good time. So I'm going to keep going. <laughs> um, I'm so excited, so excited for my guest this week. Um, when I first had the idea for this podcast, she was one of the first people that came to my mind. She's somebody that I've known for a few years and I actually taught her son for a little bit when I did my one single year of teaching <laughs> And, um, I've just followed her on social media ever since, and we've kept in touch throughout the years. And I'm so glad she's agreed to tell us about her experiences and, um, some of the difficult things that she's, she's overcome. So without further ado, please welcome Wendy Allman. Thank you for being here. I like really seriously appreciate it. It's, it's so fun. Um, first of all, how, how have you been? Like I, I, cause I haven't like talked to you and good like a while there's been a lot going on it's been a lot yeah your life's just kind of crazy so we yeah well we moved how many times have you moved ever in the last like year or like it's like yeah in your life um maybe like seven times total (laughs) moving is so stressful and we just moved from our five bedroom monster house and downsized and it was it was really really hard it was really are you still in Provo yeah I'm still in Provo Mm -hmm. are you still in like the historical district of Provo or okay I am and I feel like that is your place (laughs) you can never move out of there I know it it is it is are you still on the parade route is the real question I am okay good good did I invite you to that to the you did okay good Cause I always try to because it's so fun. It is. It's honestly one of my favorite traditions about living in Utah is the 4th of July, like parade and everything that happens everything. in like the whole freedom festival. It's so fun. It's so great. It's kind of, and I love that you like literally live right in the middle of it. That's, like, that's well, so cool. Cause before, before we moved there, like we'd always have to fight for a spot or like mm-hmm. family would save us spots, but it always kind of felt like they weren't really like, I don't know. It just, I didn't like it very much. And so when we finally were able to be on it and then I had two places on the parade route, I was like, this is great. Not having, to... so I was trying to invite people because I know how awkward that is when you're kind of like, Hey, we're here. You know, <laughs> like we want a good spot, up. but we don't want to camp overnight. Yeah, so <laughs> but thank you for doing it. So for us, so anyway well that's that's cool i'm glad we live here pretty much (laughs) yeah wait so so how's how's david doing because i he's doing i saw you guys at the riverwoods for like two seconds and then and he was so tall so fun i know he's he's almost as tall as me now well and that's the thing i wanted to say that's the main reason i well i would say yes to anyway so that's true (laughs) but (laughs) but so grateful for instagram but um, so Jacqueline was my son's teacher and that's how we met like years yeah. ago. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think you had just started, but I think that might have been. It was literally my internship. Like I was like, didn't know what I was doing no. at all. Because I remember you did the IEP, your first IEP. Yeah. You were so great. And that's when I wrote. Oh yeah. And I wrote David's IEP, right? Yes. Yes. You yeah. Did. That's crazy. And I was like, I think this is, might be her first time. You were so good, but there were oh, little things so where nice. you were, you like glanced over and I thought, is this, and you were so good. <laughs> I was you like, so good. So am I doing good. this right? <laughs> no, you were so, it was, it was, I was so impressed. Oh, you're, you're so, so nice. Young. It was, that was honestly, that was a hard year for me. Like, yeah, I'm sure it was so hard. I, 
yeah, I mean, we could have a whole conversation yes. about that, but yes, we could. that was, but he I was mean, really I love David. Too. He was, he's yeah, so he's cute. So I love cute him. And so sweet. Yeah. So he's in eighth grade now and. That's, I, which I can't believe he was a third grader. He was literally a third grader. I know. It's. I, it's, I, I can't even think no, about it. It's, I can't either. It's really sad. It's really, really hard. But I, I again, with the Instagram thing, I love Instagram because yeah. I'm able to follow your cute family. I don't know your daughters like personally yeah. at all, but I, I think it's awesome. All their accomplishments, they're just they're so living out the dream. They're doing they're so great. They're doing so good. And that's really all you can hope for. You want them to be able to kind of, to be able to go off and you want them to be successful and be happy with whatever they choose. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you still want them to need you. It's just true. That's just how it is. So, okay. So let's uh, let's jump in. So I want you to kind of give us a little bit of a background. Like, tell us about your family, which we know you have six kids. Yeah. yeah. But tell us like where you're from, and like how did you end up in Provo? That kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, so I grew up in on the central coast of California. It's kind of funny to say that, but like it literally, the city I'm from is called Lompoc. And um, it's close to an Air Force base. Okay. And occasionally they do send out test rockets out into, the, it's so close to the ocean. And they and so my grandpa was in the Air Force, so he works there. My aunt, my aunts, my uncles, I even did, I worked there at the Air Force base for a summer. And so little, so we all did. So there's a city that's right next to it called Lompoc. And um, so that's where I grew up. And it was it's one of those things where you don't realize how good you have it, but <laughs> every day, cause it's so close to the ocean, the wind would kick in mm-hmm. and it would get kind of windy every day around noon. And like, that would be annoying. <laughs> and I look, think back on that. I'm like, gosh, man, we had it. Oh, that ocean breeze. That's so annoying. <laughs> today. <laughs> and then, um, it's so my grandma, my grandma lived there for almost for, for my whole life. My grandma lived there in that city on x street was what it's called oh that's cool and she lives so so their other so lompoc's claimed fame is that they're the flower seed capital of the world at least they were once upon a time and so they would have a flower festival and it was really really fun my mom made me run for flower festival queen and i only got second runner up which she's still very disappointed (laughs) but anyway she definitely thinks i should win and what's interesting, so I grew up a member of the Mormon church. And so growing up in California, there weren't very many members. Okay. But ironically, another girl who was in our, who was in my stake, she ran and she won. Oh. And she was a Mormon. <laughs> and funny. so here are the two of us. Anyway, so it was, it was fine. That's but funny. Anyway, yeah, so that was kind of the, my mom, I can't really talk about myself without describing my mom because she's the one that raised me and maybe kind of like how, how I am, but she was a hippie and she just had all these dreams and, and she tried and she tried and tried to make them come true. She worked so hard at it. And then she met my dad and then they got married and then she had me and then she had my brother right after me. And she would always say that we are the reason that she's just so grateful she had us because we helped her to settle down. And she would always say that. And then I got older and I kind of realized, I think she was trying to convince herself of that, <laughs> that it was a good thing or cause apparently I was a really hard baby. I cried all the time, but you know, I mean, it was the sixties yeah. and she was feeding me formula yeah. and I don't, I think it hurt my stomach and oh. she would always have these crazy, like I say, she was a hippie. So she'd always say, Oh, you were uncomfortable in your new body. And like, <laughs> or, <laughs> 
my stomach hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those two things. Yeah. And so like, that's how, that's how I was raised. And like, <laughs> even just recently, I mentioned to my, to my aunt, who's just a year older than my mom, I had noticed, I was looking at some family history and I noticed that one of our, one of my great, great, great grandmas, she, she was born the same year as my mom and her sister was born the same year as my aunt. So I mentioned that to them. And so then of course my aunt's response is, <laughs> maybe that's us, we've come back in this life to make up for the things we didn't do before or to make up for it. And I'm just like, yes, <laughs> sure. So I'm just saying, so like I say that I was raised by hippies. I was, yeah. but then my mom became a member of the church or she rejoined, she came back in. And mm -hmm. so that's that was my life was cool. being raised by a hippie turned Mormon. So anyway, that's so cool. But my mom was a teacher. She always was teaching something, and so I kind of grew up with that. And then I always grew up with the story of my five times great grandma, and I just always knew I wanted to be a teacher. So I love that. So, um, do you feel like your mom shaped the type of mom you wanted to become? Like, yeah. did you look up to her in that way? Yes, she always seemed to enjoy being a mom. She put off that she acted like that i think that was just like the vibe she gave off like yeah. she enjoyed her role that she liked it and that she like loved us and everything so i think yes from that i always knew and being raised the way i was in the church too i i don't know i just always knew i was going to be a mom and i always wanted to be a mom and i was the oldest of five kids and i just i was always the one babysitting or the one um just like looking after my brothers and sisters and I would always be the one starting little schools in our neighborhood, <laughs> little neighborhood schools. So I just kind of, awesome. I think I just always have that thing. I just really liked. Um, and I, I had a traumatic experience when I was four and I think that's in some ways stunted my emotional growth in some ways. And so I always felt more comfortable around four year olds and I didn't realize that until a few years ago when I started going to therapy that <laughs> that that was it. There was a part of me that like, these are my people. I am four. You're like, oh, this is all making <laughs> and sense. And then when I started going to therapy, I started going, okay, I, I still really love being around you guys, but it's different. It's not like we're the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So. You have more of an, yeah. Plug for therapy because that's helpful for all yeah. of us. <laughs> um, I feel like. I feel like in the world right now, it's looked down upon almost to be like that, be your aspiration to become a mom. And so oh, I love yeah. that you said that because that was the same with me. Like I, I knew I wanted to be a mom. I didn't, I didn't know exactly what else I do. I, you know, I was like, I want to do other things too, but I don't, but I know for sure I want to be a mom. Um, so you have been a single mom basically for your almost, whole life for a very long time. So this last time, so it was 10 years. It was about 10 years ago that we separated. And so David was really little. Jojo was just a year old and the girls were teenagers. Roxy was nine and it was really hard. It was really devastating for everybody. And it was, it was hard for a lot of reasons, but, um, uh, <laughs> it was, it, a lot of things were coming at us at once. Yeah. And I, for a while we were, uh, so I was teaching out of our home. That's where I had started my preschool. Mm -hmm. And so it was scary for that reason, because I didn't know what, if I was, how to keep, go, keep that going. And, um, 
so anyway, we, it, it was, there was a lot of really digging in and working really hard to try to, to try to, to make it. We were homeless for a while. I didn't have a car and, um, it was really tough. Yeah. It was really, really tough. So what was a lesson that you learned in those first few years that you've been able to apply in your life and just kind of realize was something that you needed to do, um, in order to survive and thrive as a mom and like, especially relating to being a single mom? Um, a lot of things I finally, and I had mentioned this before, but was, I finally learned how to ask for help. And that was, that was a major hurdle for me and stepping stone. And I, um, that was really hard for me to do. And that, that particular place where we ended up, it wasn't as welcoming as I thought it was going to be because I had a tribe of women and that were my, my preschool moms, like they became my friends and they loved me and I loved them. And then now I was kind of out of that and into this new situation and expecting to find that again. And, Mm -hmm. um, it was, and it was, it was really hard. I, I had to like, really try to like, it was just a weird situation to be in. Like I felt like I was having to start all over again and prove myself. And where I always, I had felt already like I had gotten to that point where people trusted me, knew who I was. And, um, and it was just hard. It was hard yeah. because, um, people, you know, I would like, they would make comments like, Oh, for example, this one gal, she, they rented their house to a single woman and she complained in front of me that she was always asking for help to get the, well, not always, but she said, why are, why are the single moms always asking for help? And I, and of course that just made me feel even worse and made me feel even more alienated. Yeah. And, um, so I guess for me, my message is more that I, I had a couple of people and they know who they are that were angels and they stepped in and they helped us like, and completely saved us. And there was like three people and they all ironically were people whose children I had taught, but this one family in particular, they didn't have a lot of money and they had a business, but they were struggling. They were builders. And, um, when they found out that I didn't have a car and that I wasn't going to be able to keep the car that I'd been using, um, they pulled what they had together and they got me, they got me a car. Wow. And, um, and they didn't, and they looked at each other the day before and they said, can we do this? And they're like, well, and, and so, and they just back and forth, they're like, try to reassure, they're just like, Miss Wendy, it's for Miss Wendy. She needs it. Wow, that's cool. And the next day they had an investor come to, to their home office and found out what they were doing, like the, with all the places they were working to build. And he, um, he invested uh, $2 million oh my gosh. the day after they got that van for me. And it just like, and it just kept going and going and going. They went from being what, one of the lowest builders in Utah to being the, the top builder oh, awesome. from then on. So it was just one of those things where it was like, because of their faith and just doing what was right. And that for me was what meant so much to me was that they, they, <laughs> obviously it meant a lot, but that they knew and they were doing what was right. And uh, because they knew. Yeah. Me. Well, I think so. that just goes to show like you clearly had an impact on them and helped them want to help you. You know what I mean? Which I think is cool. Yeah. And well, that's the blessing of being a teacher 
because you become part yeah. of their children's lives. So I, that's you know, true. You become part of their kids' narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you also talked a little bit about drawing strength from your kids and that you feel like mm-hmm. that was a really big thing for you. It's the only thing I did. Everything I did was for them. Everything. And everything I do now, even. Well, and I mean, I can see it in even just within your Instagram posts. Like I can tell how proud you are of their accomplishments and you're proud of them for yeah. following like their hearts. And just, I mean, I think it's cool that you can see that your girls are like literally your best friends. Like, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And I hope that I have I that know. with my daughters too. You will. You will. <laughs> Um, okay. So what would your advice be to other single moms who are going through these hard things that come with being a single parent that are unique to being a single parent? Because parenthood is hard no matter yeah. who you are and what stage you're in, but there are unique things that, that you experience as a single parent mm-hmm. that I think those who are not can't understand yeah. and will never understand. Well, it's very lonely and the, 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 Feeling alone is the worst feeling ever. So anything that you can do to not feel alone, (laughs) that sounds funny because it feels like that's an Mm -hmm. automatic thing. But I even just recently, um, when I was looking up, like, so my son, he kept taking everything off, all his clothes every night. Right. And it sounds like, but this is just one example of like every night. So he would go to bed fully clothed, wake up in the morning, completely (laughs) everything off. Right. So that everything is wet, mm-hmm. gross, right? So I'm washing his sheets every night and I'm just like losing my mind. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Try everything. So one night I get on, I Google pajamas, toddlers can't take off. <laughs> and I found this place and they start describing what they went through to get to the point to make these pajamas. And then there's all these testimonials and I start crying because I'm like, nobody, I thought I was yeah. alone. And so it's just one small thing, but, and then that changed everything for me. I'm not alone. Of course I ordered the pajamas and it's changed my life. And so anything you can do to not feel alone in like a good way and find like when, when your kids are gone and it sucks because it does suck because you're so used to being with them all the time, try to do something for yourself. And whether that be going out with a friend, going to lunch just doing mm-hmm. something for yourself, it, taking a nap, <laughs> like, and, and it's so hard because you're so used to feeling guilty for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. At least me just remember that like, okay, maybe God has given this to me for a reason, even though it's just the worst and I freaking hate it, but you just try to make the most of it. And honestly, it was in those times that I was, and when, when I first, when we first separated, it was in those times of like total despair that I would be like, well, I guess I'm going to dig in and try to make my business the best that it can be. And so I would, I would really dig in. And it was honestly during the time when my kids were with their dad that I wrote the proposal to my investors for my preschool building because they weren't there. And I was able to like focus long enough on something to, to write it out, you know, And that's what, that's why they did it. It's because of that. And so I would just say, just do those things because for me, I never wanted to be away from my kids. I'm the kind of person like they're my favorite people to be around. I always Mm -hmm. want to be with them. And 
only a parent can understand that. It's, you know, the kind of personality that only your parent can love. And so Mm -hmm. for me, it was really hard. I was never that, I'm never, and there's nothing wrong with it, but I was never that kind of person like, oh, hey, I want to go get away from my kids or go, you know, it's just, I always wanted to be with them because I think that they were always around me before they were born. I just feel like we were always so in touch with each other. But I've started to get to a point now where we're almost 10 years into it. It'll be 10 years in August, but I'm starting to get to a point where I'm kind of like seeing the benefits of it. You yeah. Know? So you're like finding the positives. Of yes. It almost. Yes. Trying seeing to see the bright side of things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to highlight that like, yeah, it's been 10 years and you're just barely getting to that point. Yeah. And so I feel like to all those other parents who might be going through that right now to like be patient with yourself because Mm -hmm. it takes time to heal and it takes time to figure those things out especially my boys that have special needs like I just worry about them so much when they're away from me that's the part that's just the worry and I started having panic attacks for the first time in my life when when we first separated and I had to like make them them. yeah and, and yeah I couldn't sleep and it's gotten better but it's still it's still really tough so, I can't even imagine. I but yeah, I'm yeah. so sorry that you've had to go through that. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Um, well, speaking of your sons who have disabilities, let's talk about that for a minute because another sure. incredible journey that you've been on is that of having children who have disabilities. So, mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about what that was like? Kind of sure. just like finding that out, and sure. then how you were able to work through that with your emotions sure. and with their emotions and. Yeah. So when my oldest was about 18 months old, um, we went to the doctor because he wasn't talking. And the doctor said to me, he's a boy. When he has something to say, he'll say it. And he was my first son. (laughs) And so and I I looked over at his dad and I'm like, well, that's kind of what you're like. So I was like, okay, maybe he's right. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so then for whatever reason, we ended up switching to a different pediatrician about six, six months later. And immediately he mentioned autism and we were both just like, so defensive. It's funny to look back on it. I was like, and his dad, of course was, he was really upset. I can't believe he thinks that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And at the time he was two. And so then, um, we just didn't really, we didn't really do much better. We're like, well, when he's ready to talk, he'll, he'll talk, you know? Mm-hmm. And even with the doctors anyway. So then, um, he did start going to uh, preschool and when we separated, he started at kind of at the same time going to a special preschool. And, um, that's when they said he needs to have a diagnosis one way or the other. And so that's when I finally got him diagnosed and with autism. So he had with autism spectrum disorder. And so how old was he when that happened? Four. Yeah, okay. he was four. Okay. And then, and so poor kid, of course, he's the oldest. He's yep. my oldest boy. So it's always harder for the oldest, right? Because then Jojo comes along and he's like doing the same thing, slow to talk. And, and he has some different things that he does, but... Um, and so I knew immediately that he was, and there was no, none of that back and forth. We got him tested right away. <laughs> and you're so, like, uh, been here before. <laughs> yeah. Poor, poor David. Oh my gosh. But then the hard part was when we did start in school 
And um, in kindergarten, he definitely needed to be in a contained classroom. I also feel like a lot of kindergartners, that's pretty typical, age typical, where they need to have that smaller classroom anyway. Mm -hmm. And that was the year he took off talking. He totally started talking. And when it's time for him to go into first grade, this school, um, they just started, No, they're like, no, he needs to stay in this contained classroom. And I just trusted them um, because they're the, you know, they're the experts. Experts, yeah. I exactly. <laughs> and, um, and I was having a hard time with it because I don't think he belonged in there. I maybe to get pulled out maybe for a couple of things, but, um, that was, that was really, and so it was that year and the next year and it, he was about to start his third grade year. And I woke up one day and the spirit told me, you've got to get him into a regular classroom. Like it is time. And so from then on, I was like, I'm not taking no for an answer. He will be in a general ed classroom and it was a total battle. And finally, and the, the principal, it was interesting that year he had, and you might remember it. He had this thing about going down in the ditch, like staying out of the, it was, um, Guzman. Oh yes. Yes. I remember. And so, and so one day I was at preschool and he was with me, my son, and he started doing this lesson for the preschoolers, drawing this picture and so I took a picture of it because it was so good. He's so good at art. He's so good at drawing. And he humors me. Oh, mom, that's a really good drawing. <laughs> and he's so, so sweet. sweet. <laughs> oh, that's he's really so nice. sweet about it. But anyway, I happened to show that to the principal. I go, did you do a presentation on this? Because he said something about it. He goes, um, can I actually use that? Can I take that to like my, he was in principal, like, I think he was getting his doctorate or something. Oh, and yeah. He, I think I remember I'm, that. Yeah. Goes, can I show that? I go, sure. I go, if you will listen <laughs> on one condition <laughs> on this, I go, they are fighting me on this. And I, and finally one day I realized, and I said this to him, I'm his mom. I get to say now, a lot of people already, a lot of people are like that already. They already know they don't take no for an answer, but I needed to have that moment. I said, no, he needs to be in this classroom. Something that I've started to learn that I didn't totally know until I became a mom was advocacy is it like you are you're gonna be and even for myself like there's been times when I've been in you know like medical situations when I've had to be like no 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 I'm going to be advocating for myself like you need to listen Mm -hmm. to me I understand you're the professional or whatever Mm -hmm. but I know myself better or I know my child better than you do like and I think that's huge and I think that that like we are our child's children's biggest advocates I know. And it's, it's scary. It's a huge responsibility. I feel like that's the biggest responsibility of being a parent is having to speak to your kids sometimes. And it's hard. Those poor oldest ones, like you were saying, is like, they're the guinea pigs. We're just still figuring figuring it out. I feel, I I mean, it's, I know I was the oldest too. And so I felt like my mom did a really good job. Oh, really? Yeah. I was also the oldest. And it is Um, what it is though. It's like, it's like, it's hard to not feel that mom guilt because you're like, Oh, like I wish I would have known better. But it's like we're all learning, and that's where that, like, we have to give ourselves grace, right? Yeah. Like, we're just doing, again, I, I'm always going to come back to this. We're all just doing the best that we I can know. with what we with what we know and what we have. So yeah. um, so what was it like with his classmates then? Like, Yeah, wh- yeah so they would, they would, uh, it's really hard to talk about, but oh, they would I'm say sorry. things like, why are you in here? You don't belong in here. You need to go back to your classroom. It was, it was really bad. And the bullying at that school already is, is tough. 
But so just things like that. And then, you know, God did this thing called COVID that it, yeah. it hurt so many people, but it got him out of that school. And I, you know, and I, I'm so grateful for that. And now he goes to this yeah. wonderful charter school called Walden and it's a Montessori school oh, cool. and it's great. Oh, that's awesome. And you know, it's funny. Sometimes I don't think he realized we call it a hippie school. I don't think he realizes just how, <laughs> how good he's got it, but Oh, that's awesome. So I'm glad that them. you found a good school yeah. for him. So I homeschooled them. We did COVID, of course, just like everyone, but then we continued. Yeah, I remember that. I remember seeing you posting yeah. about homeschooling a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So. That's cool. How was that for you? How was oh, homeschooling? Of course, I love it. I'm obsessed. I would do that if I could that's forever. That's awesome. Forever. That's awesome. Um, so bullying, I just... Mm. I'm so scared. So Brooklyn is in preschool right now. So I have like a lot of control yes. over. She just goes to like um, a preschool that's pretty close to our house. So I have a lot of control over that. The situation, right? Like I can text her yes. teacher and all the things. And I'm scared, Wendy. I'm scared to put her in kindergarten because I know really what the public schools are like. And it's so scary. So, so I just, I want to send her to school in bubble wrap. That's what I want to do. And I know that we can't do that. And like, there are things that they need to learn from like being in school, but like, wh what do you do about that? Like, is it like, how do we help with that as parents? You know, I know. Yeah. Well, besides just teaching your own child to be kind because that's, well, or teaching them like also to, to advocate for themselves. Like I never really was taught that. And so I think like what you're saying, like how you're communicating with the teacher, you continue to do that, but with Brooklyn. You continue, okay, so tell me about this. Tell me how that went. And um, and does she talk a lot already? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's and a chatterbox. So she'll tell you everything. And so that's the thing. Like, I never hid anything from my mom. And so and sometimes you just have to say, like, if somebody does something mean, it just sucks. Like, it's the worst thing ever. But you just have, you just, I'm so sorry. I know some people are just so sad. And they just want to make other people sad. Yeah. And that's all, and that's all you can say, or you can just homeschool. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's been on my mind and I was always like, I could never homeschool, but it's one of those things that I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, oh gosh, do we just like keep her home forever? I don't ever want to send it's her into like the world. The socialization thing is good. Like, cause I also homeschooled my girls for a few years too. And of course I loved it. I loved it. I would just do it forever. And then, um, and then, you know, it's just like, then you kind of have that moment where it's like, well, I guess they should go kind of yeah. try to figure all that out again. And it's, it's just hard. Yeah. And especially with girls. Yeah. Oh, cause it's a whole different you know, level. Had, it's like a whole nother world had, of bullying. Cause there's a lot of, uh, manipulation that comes on, into it. Then go on forever. Yeah. They just go on forever. So oh, gosh. Are, so how cooking. did you, how did you help David? And any of your kids, if they were bullied, how did you help them process like what was going on and like he, understand? He talk about it. I, I would just every day. I would just do my best. I would try to be there. I became the PTA president that year because I was trying to. I wanted to be at the school more, mm -hmm. and um, it's it was hard with him because he wouldn't really talk about it. Yeah, I would find out these things like from other people, and so all you can do is just tell them how much you love them. And that, you know, that it's going to be okay. And I just try when we're together to just like really be together. And um, I just love them 
just let them know how much I love them. So is that the reason that you became the PTA? Like, because yeah. you're like yeah. extremely involved in the community. Like, oh, well, you're so if I'm remembering correctly, you're like on a first name basis with the Provo mayor. Is that right? <laughs> well, like you guys are friends. Well, she came to the preschool and she read to the, yeah, she read to the preschoolers. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's great. I mean, first woman mayor. Yeah. Oh yeah. So she brought a Target to Provo. She's about to bring another one. It's hard to not be a fan. Yeah, that's true. That's actually a good point. Um, so why be so? Why choose to be so involved when you already have so much going on? Because of that, because I wanted to be part of my kids' lives as much as I could. I was trying to like make as much of a change and try to help. I was also trying because so many people won't go to this elementary school. Won't go even though it's in mm-hmm. their neighborhood. They go to a different one because. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, this is our neighborhood school. Let's make it the best we can. So since my kids went there, I was, so I had all these goals and everything that I wanted to do. And I had just gotten them. We had just bought the rights to Lion King. Like the school was going to do Lion King and cool. it was going to be incredible. And we had so many talented kids there. And so I was, my goal was to get people in our neighborhood to stop taking their kids out of that neighborhood into another neighborhood. But um, I think that school still has a long ways to go. Lion King was not going to fix it. But then then COVID happened and they didn't get to do it. So I'm not sure what happened, if they still did it or not. Because the rights were really expensive. Oh, I bet. Speaking of being involved in the community, is that why you chose the building that you chose for your preschool? Yes. So it's interesting so once I started restarted the preschool in my new place after we separated and I had to get a new place and I had a friend who generously didn't even know exactly what was going on but came over and gave me a check and told me I had to cash it (laughs) and that's how I got that my house and I started the preschool again I had friends because I really did not know what I was supposed to do like am I supposed to keep doing this or not so I I realized in that moment so once I got my new house I was like I have to make this work. I have to be able to continue to be home with my kids. And I have to make this work. So I just started using all my resources. I just started doing everything that I possibly could. I started learning how to use Instagram. So I started posting everything I was doing at the preschool. And it just, I kind of gained a following. And I had friends that um, would that would help me. And I got named like person of Provo. Then that oh. next year, and they came and made this video, and she was helping me. She worked, she worked with somebody at Provo City, and she was helping me. Just everybody was, once they could see how hard I was, uh, how hard I was working. And so, by the third year, I had so many kids, and I couldn't take it anymore. It was like it was amazing. It was such. It was so amazing. That's awesome. And I was prompted by the spirit this one day that I needed to get my own place for the preschool and not have it in my house anymore. And so I started looking around and I drove past and banana leaf had been for sale forever. And it, just, and it was bright. Was it bright yellow and yeah, bright red like or green or something? Curry colored is how we yeah. call it. <laughs> and red trim and everything. And boy, they gave it their all. They really, gave it their all. <laughs> they sure did. <laughs> so I give them that. Oh. But it was abandoned. Everything was left in their menus, art on the walls, glasses on the tables. Still, everything was there. Every single thing. And, um, And the first time, and so I talked to the realtor 
And I go, hey, I want to do a preschool in there. Oh, no, you don't want to do a preschool in there. You want to, this is a restaurant. So a few months went by and I called him again and he was like, oh, sure, I'll show it to you. Like he, he, he totally changed his tune. Like, oh, somebody actually wants to. And so when I finally went in there, I, I stood there in that first room and, and it was a restaurant with wood paneling on the walls and Jehan peacock feathers on the walls. And, and I looked and all of a sudden my eyes from the bottom, from the floor to the ceiling, everywhere I looked, like you it could was just like picture it all changing in front of my eyes, every single place. That's so cool. Showing me what it was going to be. And it happened in every single room. And it was like, it was so crazy. And I didn't even realize until afterwards and I got home and my daughter was like, mom, this is going to sound crazy. And I was like, well, no, just lay it on me. You know, she's like, I think that's the place. And I said, I think so too. Then now I just got to figure out how to do it. And asking for investments, it was the, the hardest thing I ever did. And, oh, I'm sure. And I couldn't have done it. My mom was living in Japan. She had her own school in Japan and she had sold it. And, and I knew, I knew it would take her being here to give me the guts to do it. Cause she was trying to talk me out of it. And then she came and she saw it and she goes, we got to figure out how to do this. And so, well, you've done an incredible job. It's beautiful. Oh, you're so It's funny. like, so like you like walk past it and you're like, that is adorable. And I want all my kids to go there <laughs> because it's just so cute. You're and then you find so out nice. that it's a great school too. So, well, my, so my five times great grandma, she, um, emigrated from Ireland and she, her, um, her dad was the constable to the queen of England. I mean, her life was set to be like, she was had a really good life and she immigrated to America. She became a Mormon, a member of the church and before she immigrated and, um, her life was hard, just trial after trial, but they came to Utah and there was no school in Salt Lake. And she said, we need a school. And she bartered for the tools and it was a white Adobe brick. And so when I got this, I wanted to do it for her and paint it white. Oh, that's and so cool. I've dedicated the school to her and because she is, she's, She's part of me. And that next I year, that. I actually inherited her school bell, the bell that she rang every day. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. A copper bell with an ivory handle. And I have it here. Yeah. Oh, that's and awesome. So that was, you know, that was it. It was such a huge, it was such a huge blessing. And um, yeah, I, I, I just, you know, a lot, a lot of hard work, but just so yeah. grateful. Well, I think I just want to say really quickly, like I think within within motherhood, it's easy to let your own dreams kind of fall by the wayside because yeah. you're so focused on yes your kids and getting them where they need to go. And that's obviously important. But I think that um, my dream, right, like isn't my dreams are important too. like our dreams as moms and what we yeah. want is also important. Yeah. And those things can go yeah. together. Right. Like those aren't mutually exclusive of like, okay, well I can either be a mom and be a good mom or I can do what I want to do. And I think that there's this like beautiful point where those come together. Right. And I think that you've just been such a, a, you're a great example of that, of like, okay, this is something that I need to do for mm -hmm. myself, but I know it's also going to benefit my kids make me yeah. a better mom. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be better yeah. for it. And, um, not letting, your kids become something that 
get in the way, but kind of being like, okay, my kids are something that I can include them in this dream of mine. You know what I mean? And I think that you've shown that so beautifully in how your girls like have helped you and how Mm -hmm. you've been able to have your kids be their, your preschool. And like, I see those cute photos of Max and like, it's just, it's been so cool to see that, that you've intertwined those together. You know what I mean? Well, I feel really lucky. I do. I feel really lucky for that. And, you know, and I, I needed it to succeed so that I could continue to take care of my kids. And that's why I continue because I started the preschool in the beginning when Roxy was a newborn and Susie was just little and she needed a preschool. And I was like, I could teach preschool. I can teach her. <laughs> and that's how it started. And it was always and I was able to, to work and be home with my kids. And that's all I wanted. So that's how it started. Well, and you went back to school, right? I got recently? my master's degree last year. Yeah. <sighs> Which, congratulations, that's amazing for a single mom of six kids. That's incredible. Like, good for you. That's amazing. It was, it was, it was really hard. But what made you decide to do that? um, I just always wanted to. My my mom had her master's degree, and I just kind of always felt like, and I just had felt like it was the time. And they changed um, some of the timing of it. And just at the right time, you know, and it's really interesting because I'd almost started it a year previous and I just kept getting woken up every night in the middle of the night. Like just no, like something is wrong. Something's wrong. So I finally like, don't do this. I pulled out. And then when I pulled out, he goes, well, it's okay. He goes, I'm going to let you know we're changing it. And so next year, um, the, requ- the requirements only take a year to do. <laughs> And I had classes like, yeah. with some people. Sign me up for that, please. I, I, so I waited. Yeah. So I waited a year and I was like, I had classes with some people who had, were in that cohort that I would have been. They got the same degree as me and they were there for two years. And it took them two years. Wow. That's crazy. So well, good for you. That. I'm listen to that so impressed. Yes. That little inner voice mm-hmm. that tells us. Yeah. That's so awesome. I'm so happy for you. Just- um, okay. So how old is let's see Susie's your oldest or Roxy's uh, your oldest, I can't oldest. she's 25 oh that's right summer's your yeah. oldest that's right and so and she's 23 you said 25 25 okay so let's talk about your little three-year-old Max <laughs> and how he came into your life yeah. because that is a big age gap it is a big age gap 25 to three well soon after I got divorced I kept getting this feeling that I had another baby and I I kept actually seeing like little I kept seeing, hmm. like peeking around the corners and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to start dating. And I'll, because I was like, this is me Because <laughs> like, I knew this How baby was there. The I the knew the baby was there. He was following me around. I was like, okay, buddy, I'm going to try and make this happen. And then one day it was like, no, it's supposed to be through foster care. You're going to adopt. And I was like, oh, that's way easier. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> like I can do that. Right. I can do it. Like, oh, I don't have to involve another person. <laughs> <laughs> Just dating is like the worst. Oh, the yeah. worst. And so I was like, yeah, I would way rather have these foster care people. So anyway, so it took me a while and honestly, I did all the classes first. So I would suggest to anyone, if you're thinking about doing that, do the classes first, get it done. It was so good and so inspirational. And I remember they, one day they, uh, they went around the class and said, why are you here? Like, why do you want to do this? And I'm like, all these other people, you know, unfortunately couldn't have children. Some people couldn't have children or 
different different reasons, but most of it did have to do with that. And then it came to me, and I'm just like, I freaking have five kids. I and I was like, well, and then I was just honest. I was like, I felt compelled. And then so they're like, okay. And then they they kept going because so I was like, moving on. That was it. I I then I'm like, why do I feel like I have to justify this? Like I'm here. I'm doing the work. Yeah. I know I'm supposed to be here. And then the hardest part was actually getting, I mean, my house was freaking amazing, but they are so nitpicky down to like having things literally locked up, all your cleaners locked up, padlocked. Wow. See this right here? That's why I got this because it had a lock on it. Now it's my pantry oh, wow. thing, but it had all my cleaners in it locked up. It was so crazy. Like oh, wow. I couldn't leave my 409 out on the table, just things like that. And they, they came in and just, it took hours and hours and hours. And that was the thing that was the hardest part. But I just say, and so anyway, there was times I almost gave up and I would say, that's it. I can't, I can't do it. And then this friend of mine would call me every time she'd call, Hey, how's it going? I'm like, not good. I think I'm going to quit. I don't think I'm going <laughs> to just oh well and then she would just start talking to me and then like after 10 minutes I'm like okay I can keep going keep doing it and so I did it and it was such a huge accomplishment just getting licensed and then two months later this I, person I'd never talked to before a caseworker called me and told me about this little baby that was a week old now in the hospital and told me all about him and all about her his mom and their family and and everything and it was a really sad, hard situation. And, um, and so anyway, so she talked and talked and she said, okay, well, what do you think? I was like, well, I'm, I'm all in. I'm like a hundred. And she goes, really? I'm like, uh, yeah, like 150%. In. Don't have to ask me twice. Right? <laughs> and I knew it. I knew, I like knew that he was there. I knew he was, I knew he was mine. And, um, I got to go and, and spend an entire week and a half in the NICU with him. And it was so oh, wow, incredible. Cool. And it was just so interesting because I always wondered that, like how, cause I knew how bonded I was to my kids. I nursed them all. I felt like that was part of it. But, and I always wondered that, how can you, can you really be that bonded to a child that you adopt? And you so can, mm -hmm. it's just, <laughs> it's cool. just so, it's the same as it is with them. But every child is different anyway. You have your different relationships, but that bond is just like, you know, I would, I would do anything to protect him. Just like I, you know, I love, oh, that's so cool. And so, How cool that you were able to have that experience. It was so like, incredible. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So did you know that you were going to adopt him? Like, well, they never, you might, you might've known, like you mm -hmm. might've known, but like, what was kind of what they told you? Did you know they were like, just hang on to him for a little they, bit? Or it, they never gave they me any promises. And that's the, that's the hard part about foster care. I'll tell people, you have to be so strong. I almost broke several times because they never give you any promises. Her family, the mom's family was fighting so hard to get her in a good place, good enough place to be able to have the baby back. And so, and the foster care people never gave me any hope or promises that that wouldn't happen. They'd say, I don't think she's fit. Or I don't think their family's fit for this, but they would never give me hope. And, um, it wasn't until the day that I, that I adopted him, that the judge smiled at me for the first time and because she could, because up until then, and it was all, it was through COVID of course, all through COVID 
which was a blessing because we were doing these visits and she was mentally diminished. And so it was so, it was so hard. You're spending an hour with somebody that you can barely talk to or hold a baby. Like I was supposed to try to let her hold the baby. She couldn't or wouldn't. And he was really colicky. And anyway, it was just, and they, they all knew all her caseworkers knew that he was mine. And, um, but I tried to, I was, I, she was, she was his mom, right? She birthed him and she did nothing wrong. Yeah. That was the other sad thing. None of none getting pregnant wasn't her choice. None of it was her choice. So that was the sad, mm -hmm. that was the hard, really hard thing. So I tried so as much as I could to involve her, but. So is it an open adoption or is it a closed adoption or how does that work? It's closed, but, um, uh, well, it's, it's open as much as I want it to be. Okay. And I, I have contact with her brother just like for medical reasons, like, you know, like how I'm getting him tested yeah. for autism mm -hmm. on Friday. And you need I need his like medical history. I need, history, right? I need as much as I can. They don't, they're saying they don't know who the dad is, but they do, but they just won't say, cause he'll, he yeah. should be in prison. So, and like I was saying, when I first started noticing signs, like with my boys, I'm like, Oh, there's this pattern with him. I was noticing signs, but they were not, I mean, he's still not talking, but there, the other things are so completely out in left field. And I yeah, was like way different than your experience before for a huge loop. Yeah. But, but we're, but we're getting there, you know, and that's why God, that's why they give us babies. I feel like. <laughs> because this is your child. Like you, he is yours and you will figure it out. Like, yeah. you know, it's like being a castaway on an island you're going to figure this out sink or swim. you have to you don't have a choice right yeah oh no. <laughs> so oh, yeah okay so let's ask a fun question how's grandma life because your oldest daughter has two babies right the best thing in the whole <laughs> world they are it's so hard it's like the sweetest love that you can ever have and of course they're just so Hank, you know, Hank is my first grandchild. And so of course he's always just going to have a special place in my heart. I was the first grandchild. Um, but it, it's so, it's so funny. There's this picture we were FaceTime. We, I was in California with my girls a, about a month ago and there's this picture where we're FaceTiming <laughs> him and we're all, and so Susie had taken a screenshot. We're all just like, <gasps> like, like, you know, obsessed over just him. Fully obsessed. We're just like, <laughs> You know, and that's like his life. And whenever he's around us, he's always like, ha ha. Hey, like <laughs> if we happen to be talking to each other, he'll be like, uh, like, Hey, you know, remember yeah. hi, you're supposed to be, but we are, we're all just, we can't help it. He's so sweet. He's and like he's the center so of your whole cool. universe. That's so funny. It's just, and it just happens. It just happens. And it's the most amazing thing. And it's like this thing where you, they love you unconditionally. You love them unconditionally and it's different than having a child because they don't blame you for anything yeah <laughs> like nothing is your fault anymore yeah. like, you're just somebody they, who loves them i yeah it's just like and that's just the sweetest thing and like i loved my grandma and it kind of upset my mom because she wasn't like a great mom but i'm mm -hmm. like she was a great grandma she i loved her like mm -hmm. so much she loved me i love her and I'm so grateful for that relationship. I mean, I know she wasn't a great mom, but I mean, luckily I don't have to like have that feeling toward right. her. 
she was yeah, just, because it is. It's fully a different relationship. Like uh, it's very easy to blame your parents for things because they were there every single day. They were so, making choices so. for you, all like much more involved in your life. Whereas your grandparents yeah. are very much just somebody who loves you a lot and who's yeah. there for you and who's in your court, and they don't have yeah. to worry about any of the bats, like any yeah. of the negative connotations of. I still blame my mom for things. It's so it's so sad, but it's because they're there. Because they were the yeah. ones who were digging in. Doing I know. They're the ones who take the blame. That's part of being a parent is you have to take the blame for stuff sometimes. What, what's it like having Max be so close in age to them? Um, it's good. He, because of, because of his special needs, he doesn't necessarily, like, Hank loves him. It's really funny. <laughs> because Hank is immediately just like, oh, because he's a little bit taller than him. And he's the same size-ish. And he loves him. But Max doesn't really, like, notice other kids yet. And so, I mean, I think it's great. And I give him all of Max's hand-me-downs. But, I mean, it's I so that. fun. And I hope that as they get because they're only 18 months apart, he's an uncle, you know. That's so I mean, funny. even JoJo. JoJo's 11, and he's an uncle. I just love that. I was always jealous of girls who were aunts. Me too. You know, when I was Same. Growing. I remember kids, like, in fourth grade. I was like, you have that. nieces and nephews? That's cool. Yeah. But I was no. always the oldest as well. So, well, my uh, my husband's youngest sister is let's see, fourteen, I think, fourteen. Uh-oh. And so it's uh-huh. like a similar thing where it's like Brooklyn's yeah. obsessed with her. It's just yes. like her idolizes her, right? Yeah. So it's so fun. I'm I'm sure it's... that that relationship will grow, and they'll. Oh. And does she live? Does Summer live near you? No, they just moved back to Montana. So he, her husband, works in oil. Okay. And um, it's such a good, it's such a good job. But oh gosh, that's awesome. So he works two on, two off, and so it's it was hard. So when he would have to go, he'd have to leave a day early just to get there from here, and and then to come back, it's another day. So they were only together for like ten days, and then he'd have to go back again. I know. So she, so did she move back to Montana? And it's good. I mean, with everything, there's going to be good and bad, right? Yeah. And so. I, like sure. right now he's gone. So it's like, I wish I could teleport there and just like be there and help. Well, especially, uh, I, but, but I bet it's fun watching her grow watching into her that Watching her become role. a mom has been the greatest experience of my life. That's she, cool. she is like, well, she's honestly, she's the best mom I've ever seen. She is That's awesome. so in tune. So Johnny on the spot. So just like, I'm just like, I just can't be more proud of her. She is seriously, she's just so incredible. And it's been hard. Both pregnancies were really hard. And, you know, Olive was in the NICU for a really long time. She was born two months early. And oh, it was, wow. you know, and it was, it was hard. And it was scary, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure it's hard seeing your daughter go through hard things. I mean, it's hard. It's hard seeing your kids go through hard things. And you're like, oh, I wish I could take that from you. But. I bet she learned a lot from it, and I bet that made her that much mm-hmm. better of a mom for it. Yeah, having teenagers that whole period, though, before it, the teenager thing is the worst thing ever. So, <laughs> like, so you're like, this is fun. I like this toddler, part. Give me toddlerhood all day long. I will take that. But oh, that I will, love it. Yeah. So, but yeah, fun. watching become adults is incredible. It's the best thing. That's ever. so cool. I love it. Um, okay. So, well, before I let you go, I just want to ask you a, a couple of just like fun questions sure. about you. Sure. Um, just so we can get to know you a little better. Okay. I know you are an avid swig and so delicious. You I love that place. I am an avid caffeine drinker. 
<laughs> so and what's your favorite drink? It's just Diet Coke. Just plain Diet Coke? Just no, Diet like, Coke. syrups or Nothing. anything? No. I just need okay. it in a big cup that lasts me for, like, an hour. Okay. So I get, like, a big 40... cup that lasts an hour. Okay. <laughs> I need So it's a 44. I just get a 44 Diet Coke. And they know now. They see me come up, and they have it That's... for me. And it's so Amazing. sweet. I love that. That's really just all it is. It's just because it's it's sugar free caffeine. Yeah. You no. Know? It's true. I know. I've started to jump on the diet. I didn't used to like diet sodas like at all. <laughs> I used to be like, how can you drink that? It's disgusting. But I have switched, and I'm like, I'm okay yeah. with that. I, I like so it better at night now. It's Fresca. It's yeah. Public. Ooh. Service. Have you ever had Spindrift? No. It's another like sparkling water. My sister will disagree with me because her and her husband are huge Fresca people, Mm -hmm. but you'll have to try Spindrift. They carry it at Target. Okay. It's so good. It's like a sparkling water that has like real fruit in it. So instead of like artificial flavoring, it's like Mm. real lemon. Mm. Anyway, so good. The raspberry lemon is my favorite. Okay. All of them are very good. So try it it when you see it. It's sugar free. Yep. I mean, it has like natural, like the, like it has like 15 calories in it. Cause it's like the real fruit. Sure. So it's got like the fruit sugars in there, but it doesn't have any added sugar. Well, it's like, it's my favorite. It's my, like, I like, I like it better than soda now. So okay. anyway, it's a fun, uh-huh. my fun thing. Hey. Um, and then what is your favorite way to unwind? That's going to sound so funny. I love to watch Shark Tank. <laughs> and so I've watched them all. I've like started rewatching them. I just think it's so fun. It's so inspiring. It's so exciting. Like, are they going to get a deal? Like, <laughs> it's like, That's awesome. so at night, David and I will watch TV together. And so I'll usually watch it. So he's like, he loves like mountain men and swamp people. I won't watch swamp oh, people. Funny. I won't do it. <laughs> but mountain men, I'll watch that. It's actually a really good show. I've really gotten into it. But occasionally he'd be like, we can watch Shark Tank if you want. I'm like, oh, okay, just one episode. I know. Nice. Or one that's deal, sweet. maybe. Let's watch one deal. But that's funny. Yeah, I love that. And then taking baths, baths and Shark Tank. So <laughs> I totally agree. Taking baths for me, it's the same way. It's just like, it's warm. It smells good. Like, it's just, it's a, and you're it's a good alone. time. Yeah, you're by yourself. Yeah. Nobody's touching you. Nobody's talking to you. Yeah. You're like, oh, I can just be myself. Well, I seriously appreciate you chatting with Thanks. me and telling me all about your life and just sharing your experiences. Thanks. I love following you on social media. It's been so fun to see your cute little family. And uh, anyway, well, just keep so doing nice. what you're doing because you are very inspiring. Well, and thank yeah, you. I just, I appreciate you're so who nice. you are. Well, thank and you for asking. The things that you've overcome. So. You're, you're wonderful. And thank you for, for hanging out with me. Anyway, I hope you have a wonderful evening and a great week with your family. And I'm glad that you got to hang out with your family this past weekend. That's really fun. And I hope that you get to see them soon. We'll chat soon. Okay. See you you later. Thanks. Bye. Oh my goodness. That was so fun. Thank you guys all for being here as well. Thank you for listening. Thank you to everybody who has listened to the last two episodes and who I shared on social media. Um, For those of you who don't know, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at motheringthrough.pod for info on episodes and to stay up to date on different things. Um, I will be posting questions and polls on stories because I want everybody to weigh in on things occasionally. And so please follow there and share, please. And as always, don't forget that you are doing better than you think you are and that tomorrow is a new day. Have a great week and I will talk to you next time. Bye. Please consider subscribing and leaving a rating and review. 
Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send questions, stories, or general podcast feedback to motheringthrough.pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.